baby, you are gonna go broke showing turkeys like these. It's turkey time. Come on, come on. Ten years ago, on the night of October 31st, a small Midwestern town fell victim to an escaped killer. Under the cover of darkness, he carried out the most horrifying mass murder on record. Sixteen people in cold blood. Ever since that night, no one has forgotten his name. And Halloween has never been the same. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Let's Talk Turkeys. I'm your host, Movie Miss, and I'm being joined this week by my co-host, Drive-In Dave. How are you feeling today, sir? Not too bad, actually. I'm kind of kind of interested in this one. This is going to be fun, but also challenging. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, we are going to be jumping out of our usual format. Uh, I did this once before with a guest co-host, Blockbuster Brian, uh, last season, I think, for Nightmare on Elm Street. Or maybe it was in season one. You and I are tackling this format for the first time together. So hopefully we get through it with just a few bruises and scratches. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm already experiencing some sort of psychological effects because of some of the ones I had to watch. So. <laughs> this is going to be the Halloween franchise ranking episode. So we will be tackling most of the Halloween movies and ranking them and discussing them. We're going to give just a quick honorable mention uh, to a couple as we go. We're not going to fully cover them and, and we'll tell you why when we get there. But let's start off just by saying, I want to hear your thoughts and feelings. The Halloween movies as a whole, how do you feel about them, etc.? <laughs> how have they impacted you and what do you love about them? I love them. I can't say this is what got me into horror. I've always kind of slightly been into horror and I didn't come into them too early. I think I think it was like after high school or something like that, I started watching the Halloween movies. I think it was like AMC, how they do their week, week and a half long event thing. And I started watching them and I really, really got into them so much to the point that I actually went out and got every single, well, up until recently, every single Halloween movie because I, I just absolutely loved them. I can't say I love them all. There's, there has been some, you know, hit and misses. Um, funny thing though, is that to me, and we'll get into this later. I there's a comparison to Halloween and the Godzilla franchise to me, and I'll explain when we get into it where that kind of lands with me. Okay. Oh, I'm interested now. For me, the Halloween movies, I came to them in the mid '80s when four and five were released. Eighty, what was it? Eighty-eight, eighty-nine, and. That got me to go back and watch the original, which I had missed, and, and part two. Still had skipped three at that point. <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, and then going forward, watched them all and, and fell in love as much as I could with the different versions. Um, and we can talk about our experiences with each film as we go. But as a whole, as a whole, I love this franchise. When you look at all the major franchises that are out there, and I'm going to include Hellraiser, Texas Massacre, but you've got your Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Scream. There's so many uh, franchises, Saw, but whatever your taste is, there's a franchise for you, for your kind of horror. And I feel like the Halloween franchise is more, well, it started out to be mysterious, stalker, really suspenseful, tension kind of thing versus other franchises that went for slasher comedy, teen slasher. This one kind of set itself apart. 
for a, for a while in the beginning. And I think that's why this probably is my favorite franchise because I'm reflecting on it now. And I honestly don't remember what I said when I recorded the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise episode, what my favorite franchise was. But now after rewatching all of these this week, this has got to be hands down the franchise where I like the most entries. Yeah, I can, I can see that because I think uh, uh, I can't say I like the most entries because I, I do. Um, uh, the Girlfriend got me into the Scream franchise. I mean, I watched the first one when it came out and I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. I really got into them and then Final Destination. But this one's always been my favorite because I just I love the simplicity of Michael Myers. It's like this guy in a jumpsuit and a mask. Um, and I, I loved I mean, like I don't like when they went into the supernatural, but I loved like the basic. This is just a dude going around killing people. That to me was a lot creepier than Freddy or uh, Jason or any of the other ones because it was just like this, this could happen. Like somebody could literally do this and this is what scares the shit out of people. So looking at Rotten Tomatoes for the entire franchise, it looks like every single entry from the original Halloween stretch, both timeline iterations to Rob Zombie to David Gordon Green, all of them except for number three, all the Michael Myers entries, all turkeys except for two. So the original Halloween 1978 has a 96 Rotten Tomato critic score and an 89 audience. Wow. So that makes sense to me. The original everyone loves, right? It, it does, but it's, it's it's a little high for me. Like, I, I mean, like I would have given it probably the same, but it just I would not expect it, especially among critics, to get that high of a score. So that that's impressive to me. Yeah. And then it dropped. I won't go through all of them, but then it dropped drastically when we get to part two, which is so crazy to me because it's the same filmmakers continuing the same story and the scores dropped. But we'll get to that. And then the other one, which is non-Turkey, was the original uh, trilogy for David Gordon Green. His Halloween did 79% critic score, 72 audience. That makes sense, too. That one I can I can definitely understand because that was a really good film. So. It was highly anticipated also, and I think everybody was revved up and ready for a redo after the Rob Zombie situation. So I feel yeah. like that tracks as well. Yeah, uh, that, that one, and it, it felt like a big, like not just a big deal, but like a big movie, like a big budget kind of movie, but also still kind of kept the groundings of what the original Halloween was. Yeah, those are the only two. Everything else is a turkey. <laughs> so we're in the clear talking about all this. <laughs> And it doesn't it doesn't even surprise me either, because as much as I like some of these ones, like even the ones that I are high on my list, like, yeah, I can see where the where they are turkeys like they're they're not going to be. I don't picture, you know, Siskel and Ebert at the time being like, hey, this is the greatest thing in the world. You need to go see this. You know, it probably would have been two thumbs up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm guessing Ebert would have turned some of this off. Oh, Yes. So real quick, for everyone who is unfamiliar, Halloween is one of those franchises where uh, there are multiple timelines that stem from the same original story. So just to give a quick rundown, we've got the original film, Halloween in 78, and then two in 81, continuing the story. So it's kind of all one story. They branch off in two different directions here for the first part. It's Lori has a son timeline. So that goes Halloween, Halloween 2, then we jump to 20 years later, H2O, and Resurrection. Your other timeline is Lori has a daughter. So it goes 78, 81, then we jump to Halloween 4, The Return, 5, The Revenge, and 6, The Curse. So there's those two alternating timelines there. We've got the third timeline that stems from the original, which is Halloween 1 and 2, and then it jumps to 
David Gordon Green's Halloween in 2018 and his trilogy. So that's a third timeline. I thought I, I'm pretty sure uh, the third timeline doesn't include Halloween 2 because they they don't do that one because Halloween 2 is when they uh, introduced the whole uh, Michael Myers and Laurie being related thing. You know what? You are correct. They do skip two because they don't have them related. You are correct. My apologies. Yes, it is Halloween. And then it jumps right to the new Halloween and his trilogy. You are correct. Mark that down, people. I actually corrected movie miss. This, <laughs> this is a landmark situation here. You get one. <laughs> and then we have the Rob Zombie two films, which are not part of the timeline. They are complete standalones. And then, of course, number three, which is not related in any way, but it does tie into the universe. And if you've listened to the episode that I did with my former co-host, Nikki Flicks in season one, you'll you'll hear they tie it in by showing the movie Halloween on a TV screen at a gas station and you see Michael Myers, which is kind of fun, actually. <laughs> it was cool. I mean, I, I, that was that was something I did enjoy in that movie. So before we jump into all the Halloween films, you weren't involved at the time and not able to be on that episode. So I want your thoughts now. What do you think? Briefly, give me your thoughts on Halloween 3, which has nothing to do with Michael Myers whatsoever. It's Tom Atkins and his amazing mustache. Okay, so when I first saw it, uh, I was going through my Michael Myers, you know, face. So I was like, okay, you know, I, I want Michael Myers. So when I first saw it, I was watching it, waiting, like, okay, is he going to show up at some point? Like, you know, like at the end of this movie, is he going to bust down the door and be the hero or something? Like, is this going to be like an Arnold Schwarzenegger situation? What's going on here? What a twist so first, that would be. <laughs> that would have been cool to me. Uh, so my my initial reaction to it the first time watching it was, what the fuck am I watching here? This is shit. I was pissed off. Okay, now that I'm, I've, I've had time to get over the hurt, you know, the the I got the butt hurt cream, applied it, and and I'm I'm healed now. It's not a bad movie. Like for a horror movie, it's actually pretty cool. And I love the concept of what he wanted to do with the whole franchise, the anthology thing. I think that would have been cool. He just did it one movie too late. He would have done it. If that would have been Halloween 2, then I think people would have been like, oh, this is kind of cool. Let's see what you're where you're going to go with this. We were already trained for Michael Myers. So we were like, why are you not giving us our bad boy? Where is he at? Right. Okay. And how'd you feel about the whole bugs in the mask and, and the the whole thing? Was it scary enough for you to be a horror movie? Uh, it wasn't scary enough. Um, it, it was, to me, this was like a charming, this felt like a television horror movie. This feels like the kind of movie where I don't feel they had to edit much out of it to show it on TV. <laughs> Probably because, not. Yeah, like nothing really happened. I mean, like even when I went back to watch like the DVD, because the first time I saw it, I saw it on, you know, AMC. Uh, and then when I went back, got the DVD, if I recall, and it's been a while since I've seen it, there were no titties in it. <laughs> And I and, and I mean, like at that point when I was watching it, that's what I was watching some of these horror movies for was, OK, you know, yeah, we Titty get gore. Scan. Yeah, we want some titties. Uh, you know, now I don't care as much. But like, yeah, I felt like a television movie, like a television horror movie. Not that scary, but still intriguing enough of a story. OK, fair enough. And everybody, if you're interested in my thoughts on that, which I hope you are, because <laughs> it was a fun episode, go back and check out Halloween 3. It's in the feed as a re-release. So now let's jump into the Halloween films with Michael Myers. We're going to start out with Halloween 1978 rated R. And here's one other thing I noticed. All of the Halloween films with the Lori has a son, Lori has a daughter from Halloween all the way to Resurrection. 
all of these films have about an hour and a half runtime. Some are a little less. They're like an hour 25. And so one, this one's an hour 31. But they all clock in at about an hour and a half, which to me, cheesy horror movie. Well, not this one, but most of them. You want a short runtime, I think. You don't want to stretch it out. No, that that's that's perfect. Um, and, and as a as a reviewer of movies now, that's also perfect because like when you first gave me this assignment, I was like, oh shit, this is the first time this actually feels like a fucking job. <laughs> but like once I started doing, it, I was like, oh damn, I could probably knock out like three or four of these in one day. So, so Halloween, produced by Mustafa Akkad. I'm not quite sure how you say his name, but whenever his name pops up in the production credits i'm always like yay because <laughs> you associate <laughs> him with these films and uh we've got written by john carpenter and deborah hill were writing partners for many many years and then you've got directed by john carpenter just jumping right in i want to talk about favorite scenes and, and etc to me the first thing that stands out when somebody says halloween the iconic music and the opening credits scene I love the opening credit scene and the music to me, it's like my favorite Halloween song. Like I, I have a playlist on Spotify, but I have a Halloween playlist that I listen to all throughout October and Halloween. I have multiple versions of Halloween remixes because I just That's love awesome. that song. It is so good. I've have, I've got like a metal version, EDM version, rap version, like everything you can think wow. of. That's awesome. The music itself, totally iconic. So let's jump into what works. For me, why this movie, and I ranked it number one in the rankings, and so did you. And I want to see if we did that for the same reasons. Okay. To me, what works is the unknown, the tension of no backstory, except for that little tiny bit in the beginning where this kid, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about these movies in detail, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The little kid who just randomly kills his sister, just, just stabs her to death, his older teenage sister, which weird that she couldn't fight him off because he's a small child, but we'll go with it. <laughs> yeah, that 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 to this day still bugs me. Like, how can you not beat the hell out of a child? I mean, not that I'm enjoy- endorsing child abuse, but it's like, if you can't smack a kid around, you deserve yeah. to be stabbed by the child. So yeah, aside from that little bit of backstory, we don't know anything about this shape, this man in a mask whose face we really don't ever see. He's just a killer who's stalking. It's simple, but I think that's where the genius lies. I think when you try to get too convoluted and put too much in, you lose the whole point of why this first one is magic. Yeah, I I pretty much have to agree. This one's a fun movie to watch over and over again. I mean, I've seen this movie so many times that like I I wouldn't I didn't even have to watch the movie. I did just because for the enjoyment of it, but I didn't have to watch the movie for this because I know it inside and out. Um, Right. It's so simplistic. Like you said, it's like it's a basic plot. And the backstory being that mystery kind of keeps you hooked. Okay, why is this guy doing this? Like, you're so intrigued as to like, who who is Michael Myers? Why did he kill his sister? Why is he after these kids? What is the whole point of any of this going on? But that's what makes it so beautiful is that it's like this snapshot of this horrific moment in time. And then you can just like get lost in this story that for all intents and purposes should have sucked. This movie should have sucked because of the simplicity of it. There's really no character development whatsoever. But that's also what makes it so cool is that like, okay, you're not spending, you're not wasting like, you know, two and a half hours like movies today are going in depth on the character. You're just, here's babysitters. Here's normal kids. Here's a psychopath. We're going to kill the kids and 
have fun with it. And and you do. You have a lot of fun watching all this stuff go on. Excuse me, Lori. Oh, Mr. Brackett, I'm sorry, Mr. Brackett. Oh, I didn't mean to startle you. That's all right. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Yes, sir. Nice seeing you, sir. So in my mind, and you can tell me your thoughts on this, he doesn't purposely sit and wait for 17 years to go by before he breaks out of the asylum. I think it was just opportunity. Something happened, a door got left open, or somebody broke a door down, and they're all out wandering in the rain, all the people in their robes, and he jumps in and gets the car and gets away. It happens to be 17 years later, Michael Myers. I don't think there's a rhyme or reason to that in any way. He gets to his house because that's the only place he can think to go in his mental state. And he happens to see this 17-year-old teenage girl who reminds him of his sister that he killed showing up at his house because she she has to drop off the key because her father's a realtor. And he, what's the word I'm thinking of? He he attaches like to her um, because of that. Uh, What's the word that they use in Twilight? (laughs) Imprint. Okay. So he kind of like imprints and attaches to Lori because she reminds him of the sister and she shows up in a wrong place at the wrong time. That's what this bitch did. (laughs) Wrong place, wrong time. And you got yourself caught in Michael's crosshairs. And now he's obsessed with following her. You'll notice that's how the movie goes. He's trailing her, trailing the little boy he saw her with and just sort of decides to hang out and attack these kids when they come around. There's no sister tie at all. I think that's why this movie is brilliant. It's not like there's this hidden agenda. It's wrong place, wrong time, period. (laughs) Simple as that. Interesting. Okay, so my two thoughts on that are, one, I have to get this out of the way. The fact that you connected Twilight to uh, Halloween makes you want to flip the fucking table over and like storm out in a hissy fit because that is bullshit. How dare you? That is, oh my God, no. Imprinting on someone is like, like when you see her. Everything changes. All of a sudden, it's not gravity holding you to the planet. It's her. Hey, the fact that I even know that reference angers me as well. (laughs) Yes, yes. That is is awful. That is terrible. But also, like, you just explained the franchise better. Like, you gave a better backstory than Zombie did. Like, we'll get to him <laughs> i know but 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 i was like that that's the movie that we should get as a reboot in the future at some point was like you should write that because that <laughs> totally makes i didn't even think about that and you just blew my fucking mind like i'm on like fucking shrooms or something right now i'm like holy shit uh so, wow yeah <laughs> some funny things about this movie they filmed it in pasadena which is supposed to pass as illinois And if you pay attention and you know local trees and botany and geography, palm trees are everywhere in this movie because it's Pasadena. (laughs) It doesn't work. It's supposed to be Illinois and it's Pasadena. And that cracks me up because I grew up in Southern California. So I noticed that right away when I was young. But it doesn't bother me. It doesn't take away the enjoyment. Yeah, it doesn't take away. But I didn't I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Like now that you mentioned it, like it never did feel like Illinois. It felt more like California. So a couple other things to pick apart. Who carves a pumpkin on Halloween at dusk? (laughs) Who does that? Okay, seriously, get the fuck out of my head. Because (laughs) I wrote that down. I said, I I literally wrote down the road. I said, I never understood carving a jack-o'-lantern on Halloween. It's like hanging a Christmas tree on Christmas night. Just why would you even do this? Yes. You know why we both wrote that as a note? Because it's one of the only 
really egregious things about this movie. This movie's pretty fucking great. <laughs> There's not a lot to pick apart. There was a couple of things that always bothered me a little bit, like when, like, like okay, like, like when they yell at the whole uh, like speed kills thing when she's yelling at the car. That always annoyed me a little bit because I'm like, bitch, he ain't driving that fast. Like I could have outwalked Michael Myers Myers's car at that point. So her doing that was like, what the hell are you thinking? <laughs> And my beef to add on to that is also how the fuck did he even hear her? Because they show how far he is away. Yeah. And he's wearing a mask. I mean, like anyone who wears a Halloween mask in general, like you can't hear shit. (laughs) Yeah. How did he hear her? One of the other things that was a little bit uh, weird to me was not even weird, but just it did kind of bother me like going back and rewatching it. As much as I enjoyed how the acting kind of felt like normal, just kids on screen. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it did feel a little cardboardish, I guess we'll say. <laughs> the dialogue came off a little bit like, um, yeah, maybe you guys could have like had a better take on that. Yeah, Deborah Hill writing the teenage girl dialogue, having been a teenage girl. <laughs> I can tell you the interactions were spot on and kind of what she was going for. But the actual dialogue itself was a little bizarre. They're definitely saying lines. I don't feel like they're casually having a girl conversation a lot of the time. Yes, it kind of that's the only that's one of the ones the few things that takes me out of the movie at times is like until the horror picks up the build up to it was just like, yeah, I don't believe that these are people in a town living their lives i i think that these are actors acting out their parts in pasadena illinois (laughs) exactly in pasadena illinois so how did you feel about michael myers magically knowing how to drive after being locked up for (laughs) 17 years that didn't bother me too much only because i just kind of like imagined okay the, the mental institution that he's in is obviously probably somewhat like a high school like maybe they've got shop class driver's ed you know painting uh home well, ec. they they do give loomis the line to explain it he casually says to somebody maybe someone inside gave him lessons yeah and that's okay <laughs> it, it's a st- it's a stupid line, and I never really put that much thought into it. The The problem with these movies is it's like most movies I watch. The moment I start pulling threads, the whole movie's just going to come apart. Like, I, I can't do it because I'm not like you. The logic will break my brain if I watch these movies with logic. Well, then let's jump to favorites. Let's talk about good stuff. Okay. Let's talk about what is your favorite kill in this film? Um. Okay, so my favorite kill... And, and... It's going to sound stereotypical. I'm going to sound like the kind of person who just casually watches the film. and like, oh, I like this scene because it's artsy. Uh, but I liked Bob's death because it's creepy the way that he does it. Like, like stabbing him, pinning him through the, the, the wall. And he's like hanging there like just this beautiful art piece. And then he's studying it with a little head turn. Uh, I love how creepy it is. But I also love as a longtime fan now. It's a scene that has been reproduced so many times. And I didn't even realize how many times until I watched all the movies again. (laughs) And when you pay super close attention, they even add the little fucking head tilt, which in my opinion, and maybe yours, only effective in this movie because it's the first time he does it. Yes. And you're like, oh, what is he doing? Yeah, that that first head tilt was just so creepy because it's like he's it's almost like he's studying him but also at the same time it's like you know does he even resonate that he just killed somebody like you kind of wonder is he just like that like mentally challenged child that doesn't realize that he's killing people 
He's just yeah. playing with the puppy too hard. Right? <laughs> Tell me about the rabbits, George. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that is my favorite kill as well. I've got Bob in the kitchen. Uh, the head tilt is what really hits it home for me. Even though for the show, I had to you know make notes. But when I watch this movie, I just roll with it. Um, but for the show, I had to write, obviously, 100% not possible, this kill. There's no way that this little kitchen knife is pinning this giant man to the door and he's going to just hang there. Nope. Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I like as a kid, I never thought about it. I was just like, oh, that's really cool. But now as yes. a cynical adult that basically you've turned me into this bitter, cynical adult. Yeah. I, I'm like watching. I'm like, okay, that knife you is a not... man. <laughs> <laughs> not a man, an old bitter man. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Go ahead. But yeah, it's like that, that little kitchen knife isn't going to do shit. I, I It's not even going to pierce his body. Like it would get like maybe halfway through. I can't even guarantee it would break bone. <laughs> I know. But still, we ranked it as our favorite kill. I think it's because it's so inventive and fun. Yeah, the, the scene's just cool. <laughs> I want to say most of the horror documentaries I've watched have all said the same thing, that this is basically the movie that invents the slasher genre. Uh, I don't know exactly how true that is because it's like you can go back probably and find a couple things that might have been the grandfather oh, Black, of Black Slasher. Christmas. Black Christmas. Um, you could say Psycho. So it's like there there are previous ones, but it's like I think this brought it back into the forefront and made it into franchise slashers. So what is your favorite scene in general? What's just your favorite fun scene in the whole movie? Uh, my, the thing that I just, I crack up at every time that I absolutely enjoy is I love when Dr. Loomis scares the kids <laughs> because it's so much fun. And he's just, he's got this like pleasurable face. Like he enjoys doing it. Uh, I mean, Donald Pleasance is just an amazing actor. I, I, I loved him. Are you talking about the scene where he's all, Hey, you get away from there. And he's like, hey, hiding behind the bushes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. That just it cracks me up every time I see it, and I don't. I know it's coming. I love yeah. it. I just like I look forward to it. So my favorite scene is the finale because I like that Lori one by one finds all her dead friends, and then in the bedroom, and then you know Lindsay's house, and the whole you know Michael stalking her, um, the horrible the closet hiding, the horrible uh, you know stab in the arm, which really shouldn't, and she turns and falls over the stair rail like that should not have been a thing but it happens um the whole finale to me is just fun because it ratchets up the tension because here's this unknown thing stalking her and not gonna stop just going like a locomotive not gonna stop to me one of the greatest finales of a horror movie of all time because it sets a tone for tension and a lot of horror movies forget to do that they think jump scares is the way to go and it's the slow build of the tension here is what does it for me it did a good job. I mean, that that is one thing that I thought, uh, I mean, like now it's kind of hard because it doesn't, it doesn't age well. Like when you're an older, I mean, it's like going back and watching The Exorcist. It's like, you know, by the time I saw it, I was like, eh, okay, it's good, but it's not scary. But yeah, it's like, it does. Like I can see the, from a filmmaker's perspective, you are building tension extremely well. Uh, I mean, like, especially like those over the camera shots of like watching Michael uh, sit up, which is, I got to bring this up because I'm the nerd. So in wrestling, the Undertaker and Kane both use that move when they get up from like a, like whatever maneuver or whatever, like it doesn't even phase them. And so I just love that. It's like, this movie is so iconic that it's even touched professional wrestling. 
like if they're laying down they slowly like just sit straight up yeah they, well i mean they do they don't do it slowly they do it quickly because they want yeah. like the impact but it's still it's like they obviously they got that from michael myers yeah. so it's like a movie that's so iconic to do something like that i mean how can you not love that one other thing i wanted to mention about the finale is when she's got the kids and she's sending them out of the house and she says i need you to run down the street to the um to the mckenzie's i think she says yes or something yeah and they later in scream they do the reverse and give an homage go down the street and call the so-and-sos and they say a name that's referential to halloween i can't remember what but they directly homage it in scream and that's always fun to me when movies do that horror movies well, I mean, that that's what makes the, the first few Scream movies so great was that they were kind of like homaging classic yeah. slasher horror movies. I, I, I OK, now I don't know about you, but did this irritate you at all? I know it irritated me when she's going since we're talking about the finale, when she's going from like house to house, banging on doors and trying to get people to help at this point in time in history. I mean, it's like what the 70s, the 80s, basically. I would think if you get a woman coming to your door, banging, screaming for help you're going to answer the fucking door and be like, oh my God, what's going on? That's not like, you know, we're not as like, you know, dead inside as we are today. So it's like, that always kind of bothered me because you even see the woman <laughs> or man, whoever the hell it is that like kind of peeks through the curtains and is like, well, what the hell is going on? I'm not answering the door. Like what is going on with people? So two things. Number one, even back then, you're right. People were opening doors for other people, but do you want to bring that hell on yourself? If she's being chased by by a killer, you really want the killer coming out in your house and after you now too? No, bitch, take a hike. <laughs> but B, nowadays, we don't do that. Not because we're jaded or whatever, but because you hear, especially if you watch Criminal Minds and watch the news, um, which they draw from, there are lots of scams where couples, a woman will bang on the door and the man's hiding around the corner with a gun and they get you to open the door and they bust in and it's a home invasion and they rob you or whatever. So I get it now because it's more common, unfortunately, that that weird shit happens. That's why I'm not opening my door because it might not be real. You know, I don't think that's what occurred to them back then, but it's what occurs to me now. I, I mean, like, I'm not saying, you know, like we're jaded in a bad way. I'm like, I admit that I'm jaded and I'm not going to open the door, whether it is a psycho or a scam. It's like, no, I, I, I'm busy. I'm watching movies or reading comic <laughs> books or whatever. No, fuck off. You you go die by yourself and leave me alone. So I'm sorry, ma'am. Are you a psycho? Because I can't let you in if you're a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so let's jump lastly here. I, I want to know your favorite character. My favorite characters in this movie were uh, obviously Laurie and Dr. Loomis. Uh, I enjoyed, I mean, I, I enjoy Dr. Loomis in everything. So it's like, cause it's, it's yeah. a Donald Pleasant. He's just, I, I love that man. <laughs> He's my favorite. He's who I had his favorite character. And most notably for me, his speech, his scene where he gets to give a little speech to the sheriff, explaining everything, explaining oh, yes. Michael Myers. Exp I love him in this. I spent eight years trying to reach him. And then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. So what else you got for me here? For me, the thing, the main thing that worked was uh, and I have to bring it up for this movie because it gets lost in a lot of the later films. So for me, what worked in this movie was he was a real man, like he was a normal guy. He wasn't a supernatural entity. 
It was just a dude in a mask with a knife running around killing people. And that made it so much scarier. That Walking that, around. <laughs> walking around. Yes, walking around. Um, which that, that, that does bother. That, that, that We'll put that in the what didn't work is the fact that why the hell could these people not fucking run away from him? So like it, it helped build up uh, the tension. What didn't work was, now that I think about it, was <laughs> the acting. That acting just did not. Uh, <laughs> it was so stupid. For a lot of these people, um, Jamie Lee Curtis, I don't know. I mean, uh, Donald Pleasance obviously is the stand above everybody. But Jamie Lee Curtis, Nancy Loomis's Annie, PJ Souls, a lot of these people, I didn't look up their full IMDb's, but I know this was Jamie Lee Curtis's first movie. Um, everybody tell. else, I'm not sure, but they aren't very believable. No, they're they're not. It's it's very like uh, very stiff in places. Um, but it, it still managed to work, which I guess shows how good of a movie, how good of a director Carpenter is that he's able to make this whole concept work. Right. All right. So let's jump to Halloween 2, which I have a few notes on. I didn't think I was going to have as many notes as I do, but I do. From the people who brought you Halloween, more of the night he came home. Halloween 2. There was nothing within him, neither conscience nor reason that wasn't even remotely human. Don't miss the all-new Halloween 2. More of the night he came home. Halloween 2. Rated R. The horror continues. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Halloween 2. I ranked it in a tie with number one. I, I put one and two together. And I rank them one and two because it's a continuation of the same night, the same story, even though it did come a couple years later in 1981. It was produced and written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, directed by Rick Rosenthal. This was his first directing job, or at least first film, and literally takes off the same night. Uh, also an hour, 32 minutes, nice and short. We've got Dino De Laurentiis producing associated with horror and low budget. So that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> so you ranked this one as fourth in your rankings. So you kind of put this one as its own entity. You're not tying it like I do right to number one. You definitely judged it on its own merits as a separate thing. And I'm curious why, why did it fall to number four for you in your rankings? Okay, the only reason this fell to number four to me, and this was actually a harder choice than than you'd realize. My first watch, I didn't like it. But over the years, rewatching it, this movie has really grown on me. So the only reason it doesn't get higher is because two and three uh, on my list, I really, really enjoy. Like those those are some of my favorite Halloween movies. So that's the only reason this is number, number uh, four. It should be higher because like you said, it does happen the same night. And it actually does kind of fit, uh, aside from the fact that the acting gets a little bit better. It should, it really does fit within the same like move. Like you could probably literally smash these movies together and make one Halloween movie, and it wouldn't like hurt it or anything. So it, actually, I enjoy it. Okay, so you say the acting is a better in this. Uh, I want to credit that to the caliber of people that they cast. We've got Leo Rossi and Lance Guest. We've got Charles Cyphers again as Sheriff Brackett, Donald Pleasance, Jamie Lee Curtis. And we're also going to throw in a little Dick Warlock as The Shape. So 
I think it's better casting. That kind of makes more sense because uh, Michael Myers did feel a little bit more like a dick in this movie. (laughs) So a couple of my beefs with this film. First of all, you could totally make a drinking game out of how many times people say Lance Guest. I think his character's name is Jimmy. Yeah. As many times as people say Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. You could totally make a drinking game out of that. (laughs) I'm going to try that. But the thing that really, really bothered me in this movie, Lori's wig. Jamie Lee cut her hair. And so they had to put a wig on her so she would match because it's supposed to be literally the same night. And her hair was completely different two, three years later. And her feet. I have a thing about filthy feet. She's got like Britney in the gas station feet happening (laughs) throughout this movie because she's running out of her bed and running down the halls and running all over it in the parking lot. And her freaking bare feet are filthy (laughs) so i'm always drawn to that and her wig it's bad (laughs) i'm i'm really shocked at the fact that you have a foot fetish that that really kind (laughs) of no i hate feet (laughs) i do feet are gross um (laughs) so did you notice jeffrey kramer is the dentist in one little hot scene that's hendrix from jaws or the motorist from clue You know, I noticed him and he looked so familiar. It bothered me the whole movie and I meant to look him up, but I just didn't connect it, you know. All right. So let's jump into what works and what doesn't for you in this movie, because I've got a small list. (laughs) So what do you Um, want to go with first? uh, We can go with what works. For me, like you said, what works is what you brought up. It took place on the same night. So I do like that. And I always enjoy when sequels happen immediately after the first movie, because that makes it a little bit more interesting. Because usually when you do like a year or two after, it's kind of blah for me. So I'm going to jump right in and say, even though Resurrection takes place a little bit after H2O, they flash back to what's happened at the end of H2O. So it's kind of a same night takeoff. Four and five take off on the same night as each other. And then, yeah, one and two take off on the same night. So that's kind of a theme in this franchise. Also in the David Gordon Greens, one to two takes place in the same night. So this franchise does that a lot. Yeah, and I enjoy that because it does kind of make it kind of fun when they when they do that kind of stuff. Uh, I actually like the setting because you don't see as many horror movies in hospitals as you would think. And that's a really scary place to be, actually. You are nailing it on what works, but I'm going to throw in what doesn't work. And they, they go in the same breath with the hospital. The hospital setting works for me because a lot of movies don't do it, like you said. However, it also doesn't work for me in the same breath because this hospital is wildly understaffed. They have like yeah. two people that work here. <laughs> what although, the fuck? Although... I take it you have never been to the emergency room at two in the morning. So yeah, usually a couple of times I've been in, I've been at the emergency room like late at night. There's like maybe one person at the front desk. And then once you get back there, there's maybe like a handful of people walking around. So. But doesn't it, it always tracks though in a horror movie when somebody's in danger in a hospital, there's like one nurse, one doctor, that's it. <laughs> like there's nobody else. No, it's crazy. That's true. But then you can say the same thing about cops. I mean, like nowadays, if I, I walk to the like convenience store and on the way there in my 15, 20 minute walk, I'll walk by four or five cops driving by. So okay. it's kind of the same thing. So give me some more what works for you. Honestly, that those were the main things. I, I mean, like uh, that I wrote down. Other than that, I would go, I would say the acting got better. It felt like, you know, a movie where the other one, first one kind of felt it's sometimes a little bit like a student film. Like, but like yeah. a high budget student film. Um, 
the characters were there was a couple of characters in here i liked uh, a little bit more than the teenagers in the first one um yeah well let's yeah. go to favorite character right here though who mine was jimmy lance guest he's not in it a lot and we're not sure if he dies i think he dies maybe not i, I unclear to me because he's bloody they, and gets hurt they, they didn't really yeah they didn't really touch on whether he died or not to be fair um he falls and like knocks himself unconscious, I think. Yeah, I don't think he dies. Oh, if you want to go, Lori has a daughter. Yes. Maybe maybe that's Jamie Lloyd's dad was Jimmy. That that is exactly who I always insinuate or assumed the father was. So because they don't um, give him a last I, name, he's just Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna say it was it, I'm gonna say he survived. Oh, I love that. I never thought of that until right now. Okay, we're going with that. <laughs> But he's my favorite in this and he's not in it enough. And I love him because he cares about what's happening to this person he hardly knows. He's drawn to Lori. He's like, I'm going to protect you. You're going to be okay. I'm going to watch over you. He doesn't really get to do it, no, but he, he wants to. He At the same time, he's kind of the comic relief of the movie, which I think was also what I enjoyed about him, why he's on my favorite list. Because I, I have basically three favorite, basically I have three characters in this movie that I actually like. And the other ones are just like, well, you died and I enjoyed your death scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, who else did you like besides Jimmy? Uh, obviously Loomis. I mean, the man can do no wrong. Uh, and I, yeah. I, I liked Lori. I, I especially, I felt she was better in this one than she was in the first one. Agreed. You can see her evolution for sure. So I also, I like that the movie opens with Mr. Sandman because that song gets used a lot in the franchise as throwbacks, which is fun. I didn't like the synth music opening credits thing i wanted just the original tune yeah the opening credits i like the opening credits because of the whole opening of the pumpkin to the skull i thought that was really cool i think this is one of my favorite openings for a halloween mm -hmm. um but yeah the music was a little weird but it's it, then again it's, it's you know 81 so i think they're trying to experiment with music which i, I gotta throw out there this movie should be my favorite because it's made the same year I was born. So <laughs> I get it. You're young. So, <laughs> so I did like another thing that works for me. Um, we see a mom bringing her little boy to the emergency room because I guess he bit into something that had a razor blade in it. And so she had to rush him to the emergency room. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of wish they would have expanded on that a little bit more because it was kind of a cool scene. Because, uh, yeah, I saw the blood and it, it and I, I love how she's like kind of talking to him when they're going in. I think she's like, oh, well, he can stay up all night and, you know, watch movies and do all this. I, I love that. She felt like the actual loving mother. And the little kid is in a pirate costume, which they use as a throwback on Billy in Halloween 5, Revenge of Michael Myers, Jamie's little friend, Billy. It's like the same pirate costume. Oh, shit. I didn't even realize that. So that's what happens when you watch all these back to back to back. You're like, oh, wait, I remember that. <laughs> So that was fun. I didn't like that Jamie Lee Curtis, um, Lori, is supposed to be 17 in this and a high school senior. And they're in the hospital and she's wide awake and she is screaming at them coherently. Do not put me to sleep. Do not knock me out. Don't do it repeatedly. And with no parental consent, they proceed to knock her out. I was like, oh, come on, guys. Well, I mean, look at the staff that you had. They weren't exactly, you know, the cast of ER or anything. So, right. Where was George Clooney? 
Exactly. This was like the Gilligan's Island of doctors, basically. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a useless security guard, completely useless, who gets offed. Uh, the phones go out. Um, Michael Myers, at some point, I believe they shoot. Who gets shot like a dozen times and their eyes bleed? Is that the security guard or is that Michael Myers? That was Michael. Okay. And shot a gazillion times and eyes are bleeding and gets blown up and on fire. You would think this is the end for this man. I think it was supposed to be. Um, I, I mean, my, my major flaw with that was if you shoot him in the eyes. And obviously, like I said, I don't think they realized we were going to get sequels at any point. If you shoot him in the eyes, he's going to be blind throughout the rest of the fucking franchise. <laughs> The eyes aren't growing back. This isn't going to like, you know, <laughs> this is it for him. At this point, he's going to have like a seeing eye dog throughout the rest of the franchise attacking people. So how did you feel about them retconning that Lori is actually his sister? They had to just fucking tie that in. I'm torn. I really am. Because on one hand, it's cool. If you're going to turn it into a franchise, it's a cool twist to kind of throw that in there and like, okay, so it works for those movies when they do that. Now it explains why is he always coming after Lori? It, okay. it doesn't explain it though. Let me throw this at you. Remember, we just had a big discussion about part one and Michael's, what I perceived his motivation and how it all happens. Wrong place, wrong time. He didn't, he doesn't know in the first one that she's his sister. He's, he doesn't come there looking for her, but they retcon it into part two. I don't know why, because like you said, they, they, should have been killing him off the way he dies in this you wouldn't think there'd be sequels so why even throw that in and try to make that tie i didn't get that because he doesn't know okay if you use it as like okay this was supposed to be the last movie if they didn't know there was going to be sequels and yes none of that makes any sense so that's why i'm kind of torn on it because on on that front it's like yes halloween 2 should be the last one you killed him it's over it's done with no lori being sister any of that shit yeah but continuing with the franchise, then it kind of makes sense because it's like, well, now it ties into the other movies of why the shit happens in the other movies. So that's why I do like it. Because I, I even like the movies that suck in this franchise, I still enjoy watching them for what they are. This is what I was going to touch on later when we get to the Rob Zombie films, but I'll just say it now. All of these entries up until the Rob Zombie films, they're all about an hour and a half and they're all fun. They yes. all have something about them that makes them fun and so yeah I, i'm with you with the, that totally so so speaking of that let's go to favorite scene for me the reason i love this movie and put it up there with one and, and, and everything and lump it as a favorite is because of all the stalking scenes those are my favorites all of them even though it's ridiculous to me that this would even be happening in this hospital all of the stalking scenes are so tense i love them that that's a good pick. My pick, you're going to like, okay, you're you're gonna question me now. I love the scene where Michael gets the knife from the old woman. I I love that because it's just I love how he, he gets the knife. He doesn't even kill them, but it's just like there's there's this tense moment of is he going to kill them? Is this where like these two people are just gonna die for being, you know, home on a night where someone's going around killing people? But he doesn't do it, just goes in, gets the knife, and leaves. Uh, I also enjoy it because I picture that's going to be me in the future. I'm going to be the one sleeping. I'm going to be the dumb husband and the wife's going to be making the sandwich yelling at me like, you want mayonnaise on that? <laughs> yeah. Who makes a sandwich with that big of a knife? I carving the meat, I guess, takes a big knife. But OK, cool, cool. So let's go to favorite kill. 
what is your favorite kill in this movie? Because there's not a lot of them, to be honest. I'm actually torn between two kills. One, because I like it. It's a great kill. And one, because it makes me laugh. So the one that I like because it's just a cool kill is the hot tub scene. Because okay. I have I have a thing for I love scalding hot water kills in horror movies because they look so brutal and just creepy. So I love the whole dunking her in the water and you're seeing like the whole like the water's burning the flesh off of her. I mean, okay. I, I almost wish it was gorier. <laughs> this was my favorite kill, but I have a problem with it. <laughs> Shocker. Okay. Let's so it. it's the therapy tub in the therapy room. And it has a safety on it, so it can only get so hot as not to burn patients. A home water heater is usually set to 120, 122. And it can actually, at home even, it, you're, they don't recommend it because it's real hot, but you can even go up to 140 at home and still be safe. This therapy tub does not get hotter than that. It's not scalding her flesh off. Sorry about it, folks. <laughs> Uh, sorry not happening <laughs> but it's still a fun kill it's still a fun it's my favorite kill scene why okay before i get into my, my second favorite one why is it i feel like you're the kind of person that when you go to the movie like the movie the moment you come out you're like that was a great movie now let me tell you why it sucks and why nothing could have happened in it <laughs> it's not true don't believe him people don't believe it <laughs> don't do that only for the uh, show but okay, so the other kill that I really enjoy just because to me it's funny and it's because of the fucking memes that are out there of okay. the nurse that gets stabbed with the scalpel in the back. Oh my God. And he lifts her like off her feet. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous, but I love it because of the memes that I've seen over the years of the look on her face of the oops, surprise finger in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty great. I can't watch that scene now without thinking of those damn memes. Yeah, I just find it crazy that she gets this little scalpel and he lifts her up with all his strength. That's the other thing about Michael Myers. He learned to drive while being locked up. And apparently he never missed arm day at the gym because this man has ridiculous superhuman strength as a human. He's not superhuman at this point. Okay, in the first two movies, it doesn't bother me. And the reason it doesn't bother me is because I go back to, and I know you're going to you're gonna give me the eye roll for this, but I go back to Darkman. If you're mentally out of it, how they always say, like, you're, you're typically stronger because you don't know your own strength. So I always kind of go off of that. Well, maybe he is one of those kinds of people. He's just stronger because he's just mentally insane. He doesn't okay. know his own strength. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's hitting gym day. Now, once we get to the other movies... Yeah, that motherfucker looks like a professional wrestler. And like, I, that's why I'm with you. I'm like, okay, they must have like an insane gym. Okay. Walkers, lotters, the damned and the dead, demons, biters, ghouls, slow American shufflers and sprinting Korean infected. From white zombie to Romero. From the walking dead to World War Z and everything in between. Are zombies your thing? If they are, come and join us at the Undead Symphony for in-depth, comical, and at times a bit ranty, news and reviews on all things Zeke. The good, the bad and the fugly of zombie entertainment having its brain separated from its body. As well as interviews, musical guests and your new favourite game show, Virus or Voodoo. Subscribe now to the Undead Symphony on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast entertainment. 
This episode is brought to you by Truly Unique Jewelry. You're a one of a kind, so it's unique, spelled Y-O-U-N-I-Q-U-E. With all of the jewelry options mass-produced for each season, you're left wanting more when it comes to pieces that showcase your individual style. Head over to trulyuniquejewelry.com and scroll through handmade one-of-a-kind options for every budget, with pieces starting under a dollar. Beautiful costume jewelry to fit every age and every budget. Custom orders are also available for no additional charge, and they flat rate ship so you can fill your jewelry box with matching pieces for every outfit in your closet for one shipping fee. From earrings to bracelets to necklaces, even rosaries and combination sets. Cost is no longer a barrier to having the looks that you want that scream uniquely you. Go to the Facebook page for Truly Unique Jewelry for updates and discount information when you follow the page. Feel good about supporting a small business while you're updating and expanding your jewelry collection, adding pieces for every occasion. Visit trulyuniquejewelry.com. And remember, it's unique spelled Y-O-U-N-I-Q-U-E. And now, back to the show. So now let's jump into the Lori has a son timeline. I want to jump 20 years later to H2O from 1998. This is Dimension Films, and it's an hour 26 breezy watch. In the rankings, for me, this is my third favorite. This comes right before. This is my favorite, not timeline, but definitely this film. Like one, two, H2O is my favorite watch, definitely in a row. And it ranks for you, uh, H2O, as your second favorite. Yes. So one right to this. It's 1998 in a remote California town at a secluded private school. We could have a Halloween party, just the four of us. We could have a roaming orgy. I love the way this man thinks. No booze, no drugs, no kidding. One teacher is living in fear. I'm not who you think I am. I changed my name when I went into hiding. Terrible. Take off your clothes. My brother killed my sister. Do that. With a really big kitchen knife. That's enough. I can't take it, Mom. He's dead. It's been 20 years. What's he waiting for, huh? Don't you think he would have shown up by now? This one, it just surprised me when I saw it. I didn't think I was going to like it. And I liked it a hell of a lot more than I thought. It's a fun movie. Uh, There's so much enjoyment for me from this movie, even though it's like I can see I can see where people would pick it apart. I honestly came into this thinking you were going to like give me so much shit for this movie. I thought you were going to be like, oh, what is wrong with you? I can't even have you on the podcast anymore. Get the fuck out of here. No, I love this movie. 
for a lot of reasons. And I do want to throw in, I was wrong earlier when I said um, that in Scream, the girl's last name is Mackenzie. And that's why they say go down to the Mackenzie's. It's actually Becker. Her name in Scream is Casey Becker. Because in H2O, at the end, when Jamie Lee Curtis is telling the kids to get out, go down to the Beckers and call the police. So they also oh. throw back in this film. Because this film, see, in Halloween, they say it. And then in Scream, they say it as an homage to Halloween. Then in H2O, they homage it to Scream because Scream was two years prior to H2O. So I have corrected myself. Apologies that I got that wrong earlier. <laughs> Holy shit. I mean, this is like two times in the same podcast that, uh, that you, you had to correct yourself. This is like... Oh, I hate you. Don't <laughs> <laughs> <I> point it out. <laughs> um, H2O is written by Robert Zappia and Matt Greenberg, directed by... Steve Miner, which is probably another reason we love it. He did uh, Friday the 13th, two and three. He did House. He did Lake Placid. Just a great director, I think. I, I love his work. I really do. And I think that that is why this movie is almost up there with the first one for me. Okay. So Marco Beltrami doing the music for this film. Great choice. Really like the soundtrack for this film. It was actually a really good soundtrack. Yes. Also, the casting. People have been circulating recently, at the time of this recording, a meme with LL Cool J's picture, him from Deep Blue Sea. And it says, little known fact, he's the first black man to survive a, a horror movie. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. First of all, <laughs> there are other movies. I want to say there's a couple in the 70s, someone pointed out, uh, where a black man survives or a black child survives. But... LL Cool J himself survives H2O, and that's before Deep Blue Sea. That's true. So the people who make these factual memes, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Go fuck yourself, because you're wrong. LL Cool J survives this motherfucking movie. And boy, do I have a little tidbit about that. <laughs> it was I, I... audience. The audience preview. They went, oh, he dies? So they have him survive at the end. Kind of like a Dewey scream situation. Oh, okay. All right. I, I'm glad too, because I loved his character in this movie. His character was fantastic. When I first saw it, I was like, oh man, okay, he's going to suck in this. And then like by the end of the movie, I was like, oh my God, this is my favorite character. Oh yeah. Favorite character was definitely LL Cool J as Ronnie because he's like this budding erotica author who who <laughs> is on the phone with his girlfriend or wife for a lot of this, trying to like read his story to her. And she's critiquing it and commenting. It's so fucking funny. It's like one of the reasons I love this movie so much is just because of his character. It's just, it's so fun. He's a great character in this. Yeah, I had him as my favorite character and uh, we'll just get that out of the way now. And Adam Arkin as Will, Lori's love interest or Carrie's love interest, um, who also works at the, at the school. He wasn't in this enough, but I loved him again. He's so Jimmy-ish. He's so supportive. And in it with her and, and takes the news like a champ when she reveals her secret. I love him. And I was so sad when he died. Yeah, he didn't make it on my favorite list, um, but he, I, I did enjoy him a lot. He was a great addition to it. I mean, the whole the whole friggin' cast was actually really good. There was one particular person that I thought the acting was kind of eh. But once I learned, you know, it was Josh Hartnett's first role, basically, I was like, OK, I can forgive it. But like, yeah, the whole cast, I really enjoyed. They worked well together. 
Yeah, it's it's his first or second role because I'm not sure which one filmed first, but he also was doing The Faculty at the same time as this. Like they had the same release dates, I believe, same oh. year release. That's right. Um, and the same bad bedhead hair in both movies. <laughs> uh, oh. my One of my favorite memes on Facebook right now is the picture of Josh Hartnett standing on the street talking to his mom. And right behind him, you can see the barber shop. And it says... <laughs> The most unbelievable thing in this movie is that he was right near a barber shop the entire time and he just doesn't get his hair fixed. <laughs> but it's but, the 90s. Yeah, I mean, he was doing a, a trendy thing. I think that's another reason I love this movie so much is because I didn't watch it when it came out. Again, I came back to it. So there's that nostalgia feel. Of it. It's like, dude, I love the 90s. So like 90s horror, I, I love watching that stuff. So let's just say for H2O, Again, I said it's the timeline that branches off and says Lori has a son. It's 20 years later. She's single. She's got a 17-year-old son. She's the headmistress at a private academy in uh, Northern California somewhere. He, he attends school there as well. She's been hiding out all these years, changed her name to Carrie Tate, doesn't want to be Lori Strode and hoping Michael won't find her. Um, I do like the opening of this film. We get Mr. Sandman playing and we get Nancy Stevens who was the nurse in part one and two uh, who worked with Loomis. It's her still being a nurse, still worked with Loomis, I guess. And she ends up getting killed, unfortunately. But we do get a really great, in my opinion, fun, tense opening scene. We get a baby face, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> oh, I love the, the opening is like one of my favorite things in the entire movie. The music is great. We've got music uh, over clippings. They're showing us with a Loomis voiceover, a different actor doing his voice. Tom Kane doing the voiceover for Dr. Loomis. Recapping for anybody who didn't know, I love when a movie can recap like this. Over the opening credits with newspaper clippings and somebody kind of narrating, because then we can jump right into the movie. Um, we get Mustafa Akkad again associated with it. I was like, ooh, okay, we're on track. And the thing that works for me in this movie, again, it's short, it's fun, it's to the point, there's comedy, there's a mix of comedy with the horror. Very well done. I think they balanced it really, really well. They did a great job. And, and this is where, when I said earlier, the whole Godzilla and Halloween comparisons. So for me, Godzilla is, okay, you get the first Godzilla, and then, okay, you get all those like 70s movies that are, if you're, if you're not a fan, you're like, what the hell is this shit? And then you get Godzilla Returned, which is the first reboot that they did, jumping off of the original one. And it was a like one of my favorite movies. People consider it a really good movie. And then you get another reboot a few years down the road. That, to me, is the Halloween franchise. Whenever they reboot it, that very first movie in the reboot series, fucking fantastic. I love it to death. I think that they do a great job with it. They handle the story well. It's a fun watch. You know, everything about it works. And then they come back with a sequel. And that's when it starts to go down the hill. Okay, what the fuck did you guys just do? So there's a lot to talk about with this movie, so I'll keep it brief. But a few things we've got to talk about. Norma, the secretary to Lori slash Carrie, yes. is her real life mother, uh, Janet Lee, who was in Psycho as Marion Crane. And I really like that in this movie, in the beginning, when we meet her, she's running down a little laundry list of, oh, Miss Tate, the plumber came, blah, 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 blah. And she's like trying to tell her a bunch of secretarial notes that she took. The drains in the shower are clogged again. Because <laughs> she dies in the shower in Psycho, right? 
I didn't even fucking catch that. When I, when I go back and do my rewatch, I'm going to have to look for that. And then later, toward the end of the movie, or maybe the middle of the movie, when she leaves, her car is parked out front at the gate. It's the same car that Marion drives in Psycho down to the license plate number. It's the same car. And when she's giving Carrie slash Lori some advice, she says, Miss Tate, if I could just be maternal for a moment. <laughs> I'm like, that's her mom. <laughs> There's just some really, and this is Steve Miner putting in his two cents with the writers. It has to be because this is his brand. This is right up his alley to do stuff like this. I love that. Like I said, now it gives me something to look forward to on the rewatch uh, down the road. I did not fucking know that. That's awesome. Yep. And then this is where I'm going to rant for a minute. So you'll have to excuse me. We will get into mentioning the David Gordon Green films at the end. But one beef I have with them is that they were touting for so long when they were promoting the first one, Jamie Lee Curtis is back and she was in lots of interviews and I love her, but... Her and Danny McBride and David Gordon Green, they can all go fuck themselves about this. They are saying that they had to do those because they wanted to show Lori and how she dealt with the trauma. Trauma. It was all about the trauma and trauma, trauma, trauma. Like that was the fucking buzzword, right? When David Gordon Green Halloween was coming out. I would say fuck all y'all because H2O And Jamie Lee Curtis, which is why my mind was boggled that she was on that bandwagon later. They address it in this film. Laurie Strode goes underground, changes her name, moves to another state across the country. Not really for filming, but in in the world of Halloween. Uh, Moves to California. She is a closet alcoholic, functioning. She takes lots of pills when you see her medicine cabinet has had therapy, self-help groups. She's done, she's tried to work through her trauma for 20 years and is still dealing with it. So I think people forget that when they are praising these fucking new trilogy movies. Oh, it's so great how they address the trauma. Did y'all fucking even watch H2O? I Maybe not. Okay, rant finished. <laughs> okay. I just have to say, you have redeemed yourself from all the shit you've talked about with Darkman and everything after that rant. Because yes, <laughs> finally someone who praises H2O as like like one of the best Halloween movies in the fucking franchise. I, I've been I've been saying this for years how great this movie is, and I mean I, nothing against the first one for the Dave and Gordon Green one. I, I well, when we get to it, I'll talk. I have no problem with that one. But it's like, yeah, this was that movie before that movie ever even fucking like, you know, before that guy was even like, you know, a gleam in his daddy's shot glass. Okay. You know, this was even the movie that turned Lori into a badass. Finally. Thank you. Yes. There's a point in the movie where a switch flips for her. I think it's when her, when her son is directly in danger, she realizes, fuck this. I'm done running. Oh yeah, she goes full mama bear and she's just like, I'm going to fuck Michael up. And she does a good job at doing it. And uh, I, I absolutely love that. I mean, this, this movie gave you everything I feel like you wanted as a Halloween fan. You got your humor, you got your action, you got your suspense, you got drama. Like I said, she dealing with the trauma of, of her past. You got everything. And, and like, there was even little nods in here that I thought, like, I don't think they were intentional, but were kind of cool. I noticed the, the rewatch, 
I felt uh, Josh Hartnett looked a little bit like Jamie Lee Curtis from the original Halloween. Like if you look at it, like in the eyes and everything, you could see the resemblance. He was believable as her son, even. Oh, 100%. It was great casting. We would simply scored some of your mom's boots. Look, my mom's a functioning alcoholic. John. She counts for every... Charlie, what are you doing here? What the fuck do you think you're doing? Mom, I'm really uncomfortable with you saying that Well, word. then don't put me in the position, John. Do you know what day it is? Of all the days for you to pull this shit, what do you think you can do? Just wander around town? I don't ask you for very much. Just give me one Mom, day. I've given you 17 years. And I need you to be responsible. Do you know what that means? Responsible. Don't talk to me about responsible, I Mom. just need this one thing. Mom, I am not responsible for you. That's it. That's enough. I can't take it, Mom. He's dead. Michael Myers is dead. What do you want me to say? That it's over? That we should try to get on with some attempt at a happy existence, Mom. Because all the shit that's going on in your head is leaking out on me, and I can't take it anymore. So it's like this movie did so much right that it just doesn't get the fucking credit it gets because David Gordon Green had to come along and steal the thunder from fucking everything. Also, I would add that maybe the mixing of humor didn't sit right with people in a Halloween movie. Um, because you have to remember, this one came years later. They had been subjected to four five and six before this and so those are not comedic films although i i would argue there's even some humor in in those ones uh, especially six there's a little bit of humor in six okay well we'll get to it yeah so it's like it's like the, i mean I, I understand where you're going for this one had more of a 90s teen slasher um and, and it felt like a scream movie a little bit well kevin williamson was a producer on this so that makes sense yeah but it, at the who same also time, did the like, faculty. <laughs> okay, that makes sense too. Um, that's the thing is like, it's almost like with musicians, like fans of like bands and shit, where it's like you discover a fucking band and you're like, oh my God, this is the greatest band in the world. And then once the band starts to grow and mature and their sound changes and you're like, oh, you guys sold out. I feel like that happens a lot with horror franchises. It's like, oh, you guys sold out. You're not what you used to be when we first discovered you. Well, of course you fucking sold out because the times have changed. And right. now... We've got to appeal to a totally different audience. So a couple things that don't work for me. I don't like that they comment and make it a point to say with Michael Myers, well, they never found his body. I saw Halloween too. What the fuck you mean they never found his body? <laughs> what? Yeah, that, that's that's why uh, I'm glad we did this after the Halloween 2 talk because it does set up again with the whole, you shot his fucking eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> this man cannot go to the bathroom by himself. How is he going to make it to California? Also, they retcon, and we'll get to it in a second, in the next one, Resurrection, that he's been living underground in the Myers house in Illinois for these last 20 years. And then he suddenly decides on the son's 17th birthday year to make the trek all the way out to California because he ransacks Loomis's house in the beginning and finds the file and finds that she changed her name and moved to California. And that's why he was at the nurse's house and killed her. I call bullshit. Like, really? He's been living underground eating rats for 20 years with his eyes perfectly fine. <laughs> Thank you. Whatever. Roll with it whatever right and then he gets a car 
to get all the way out to California because he stops at a rest stop bathroom and where his car breaks down. And this bitch has got her little girl who's like four, five, six, maybe, and stops at the rest stop bathroom and they can't get in. The door is not working. So they go in the boys room and they put a rock to hold the door open for sunlight because the lights aren't working. And they go in and sit down on these disgusting toilets, filth everywhere. Don't laugh at me. They're filthy. (laughs) Would you not just at this point, just squat and pee? You're in the middle of nowhere. Just fucking pee outside. Why even go in there and touch any of that? (laughs) Okay. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing because... And I'm sorry, people, it's TMI time. I have a fear of public restrooms. I do not like using public restrooms. I will purposely hold that shit. And I'm I'm using that term literally uh, <laughs> until I get home because I do not like using public restrooms. I'm freaked out from spiders crawling around in there. Who knows what kind of diseases have been on, on like those seats. So yeah, I saw that scene and I, I immediately was like, no. Now my ass is going behind the building and I will go somewhere else. So right? I agree with that. That that was just this little girl was like, okay, this is your child. Your, your child can go to the bathroom in front of you. If you're going into a men's stall, you're probably going to be in there with, with the kid because like, who the fuck knows what the hell is going to be coming in. So, <laughs> And she even yells, ah, spider, the little girl. And I'm like, oh my God, get out. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Why are you oh. in there? I, I think they were trying to build the tension. Is Michael going to kill them? Is like something going to happen? Yeah. And the whole time I was thinking like, Michael's never killed a kid, like a little kid. So it is a good tense scene in that respect. If you take away the ick factor. <laughs> if you take away the ick factor, yes, it, it, it does build the tension. It wasn't a bad scene. I didn't have I didn't have as many problems with it as you did. I, I wasn't going to go off on the, the whole rant. But you know what's weird? What is one of my favorite scenes in this whole movie is also something that doesn't work for me. Shocker. It's bizarre. Do, do tell. Again, he's been living God knows where. We find out later underground. He obviously isn't missing arm day at the gym yet again. At this point, he'd be about 41 years old. You would think his muscles would have atrophied by now by not using them. But no, he's super fucking strong. My favorite scene in this movie is at the end when she decides she's going to grab that axe and stalk the hallway. The one at the academy with the curtains blowing, the wind, the doors are open and she's walking down the hall. And he fucking lowers himself behind her slowly by hanging on with one arm. That is so effectively creepy and fucking scary to me when that happens in a movie and she doesn't know because he's behind her but then i was like wait a minute you know how fucking strong he would have to be to not only be able to lower himself by one arm but that slowly with that much control no fucking way no how the hell was he hiding up there because okay he's lowering himself down the dimensions of the human body Okay, even if he raises himself up all the way and she's walking through, she's going to see his fucking legs dangling out. So what was he doing? Was he doing like some gymnastic shit, like hanging up there, you know, uh, uh, Simone Biles or something like one arm on a bar, like splits and everything. Like How, how is this <laughs> exactly. working? Exactly. That's not how that works. And so that is a huge problem for me, but also really fucking tense and scary at the same time. I don't know how, but it is. It, Maybe because no, I I'm, think of myself in that situation and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> 
that's the problem with the Halloween franchise for me. I ha- I have to turn my brain off to watch it because yeah, there's so much shit that will not make any sense yeah. at all. Well, tell me your favorite scene because that's mine because it's just so tense and scary to me. You already know my favorite scene. I I absolutely love the opening. Wait, were were there titties in this movie? <laughs> there was no titties in this movie. So oh, well, no. then I don't know what your favorite scene was. My favorite scene was the opening with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, I fucking love that complete opening. I mean, searching the house with the, you know, banging the hockey stick. Jimmy got a little crazy. This, I mean, like, it's just like you see the superstardom growing in that boy, even at this point. <laughs> so awesome. And I love the fact that they did the scream thing. They bring in the hot Hollywood actor to die off in the immediate beginning of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, I think he was on um, Third Rock from the Sun at this point. I think they were just wrapping up or something at that point, because I I remember it was getting close to coming to an end, because when he got to that age, I think they were kind of starting to wrap up the series. Yeah, he Um, was definitely uh, becoming popular. So that was fun. Yeah, when they and and the way they kill him with the fucking hockey skate, the blade right in his fucking forehead. Yes, which to me, that's a great thing in horror movies. It's like, okay, I don't have to see the kill. I love seeing the kill, but at least give me a gory aftermath. Giving me yes. the gory aftermath was fucking amazing. Um, we talked about favorite characters. Ooh, give me your favorite kill. What was your favorite kill? Okay, I, there's a lot of them in here I like. So my favorite kill was Sarah, because like I said, the fucking, the reveal of her body hanging and the thing, it looked like, I couldn't tell if it was like Christmas lights or Halloween lights or what the fuck it was, but it's like, yeah. I love that. It looked so creepy. And I was like, oh, like I said, I, I got a thing for reveals of dead bodies. I just, I love that in horror movies. Agreed. Well, her whole scene leading up to her death is fun too, because she's getting stabbed and chased and she gets into the dumbwaiter and tries to get away and her leg gets snapped. Like, and it's this whole big oh. tense chase scene. I forgot about the snap too. The snap was fucking gruesome. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. So with her, the thing is with that whole scene with her and her boyfriend and Josh Hartnett, what the hell is his character name? Um, John. So John and his girlfriend, Molly, they all stay behind while everybody else leaves the school to go to Yosemite on a field trip. And they're going to have this special Halloween night, romantic night. And they get up into this one little tiny room in the main house somewhere above the kitchen. And I didn't look up the budget for these films, but I wonder what the candle budget on this film was. <laughs> because in that room, it looked wildly unsafe, right? There's like so many candles. Immediately my mind went to, is there like a monk that's going around lighting the candles like in Mortal Kombat? Yes, who's in charge of lighting them and blowing them all out so that this place doesn't burn to the fucking ground? <laughs> All right. So my favorite kill, and this is my memory. One reason I probably fucking love this movie to this day. I saw this movie in the theater opening weekend, packed house back when it was still fun to go to the movies in the sense that crowds didn't bother me. People didn't bother me. I loved the energy in the room. Everyone's excited to be there, right? Having fun. Everyone's laughing. Everyone's enjoying the movie. You get to the end. When she takes Michael Myers' body, hijacks the ambulance, and drives off, and then she grabs that axe and lops off his fucking head. That is my favorite kill. And in the theater, when that happens, and that's literally the end of the film. As soon as that happens, the music kicks in and the screen goes black. End credits. Like, boom, that's your ending. Everybody, including me, leaped to their feet, no joke, and was screaming and clapping and cheering It was the most electric moment I can remember going to the theater. No joke. 
That's awesome. That would have been that would have been a lot of fun to to see that and have that reaction. Because yeah, I, I even I you didn't know. First, yeah, because I, I, I my first watch I didn't know either. So it's like when it happens, you're you're shocked and you're like, oh shit, this is fucking awesome. Like, and that yeah. this should have been the end of the franchise. Agreed. I thought they dealt with her trauma. <laughs> I thought that they brought him back in a great, fun, exciting hour twenty six minute breezy watch. They killed him off appropriately. Like she, she has her moment. It was perfection to me. They didn't need anything else ever, in my opinion, for Michael Myers. No, I, I mean at that point, like I, I understand how Hollywood works, and you've got to, you know, continue with franchises. But that should have been the point where you do like, okay, now we're going to reboot. We'll just reboot the entire series and you know go a different direction with it. That should have been the end of the Laurie Michael story. Agreed, hundred percent agreed. Um, we talked about favorite scene. I want to talk about the part of the movie that that really did not work for me that I absolutely hated. And I yes, just please. dreaded it was during the credits when Creed started to play. I, I, <laughs> I reached for I reached for the ice pick and I tried to puncture my eardrums. Hey, they can't all be winners. The soundtracks. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's jump ahead now. A couple of years to 2002's movie that should not exist. <laughs> Halloween Resurrection, an hour, 34 minutes, written by Larry Brand and Sean Hood, uh, rated R, directed by Rick Rosenthal, who did part two. So (laughs) just jumping in. This is where they say they find a hidey hole underneath the Myers house where Michael's been apparently living for the last 20 years, biding his time. They find a bunch of dead rats. This is where he's been hiding out. The whole reason this movie starts with kills is because Busta Rhymes and Tyra Banks characters run a company called Dangertainment, where this was a big boom of the reality TV, live streaming events, haunted house platform shows do it now a lot where they go and live stream in a haunted house. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing to do. Um, in this movie, didn't like it as the basis of the film, didn't like it as the plot device to bring Michael back. Um, what do you think about that in this movie in general um, because of that the, the best way i can i can deal with this movie is like okay th- this movie is actually a lot of fun to watch if you take away the michael myers factor this movie would have been really cool if it wasn't halloween because it's like okay you know the characters weren't too annoying like everything you know the, the kills were pretty good the concept itself was actually kind of intriguing everything about it was like okay this works for like a teen slasher movie but it just felt like we're going to jam Michael Myers into it. He doesn't belong, yeah. but we're going to jam him into it and see what happens. None of that it, made any sense. Yes, it felt like they had this script someone did somewhere and they said, what if we just set it in the Myers house? Ta-da, it's a Halloween movie. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, like, like this even would have worked like this would have worked for fucking Corey in ends. Like, like this could be his story. Like, okay, now we're going to introduce the quote-unquote new Michael Myers. And this is what he's going to do is kill these people in the Myers house that is, you know, invading like his sacred territory or whatever. But for Michael himself, no, it doesn't work. Yeah. Why are we not working in Hollywood again? <laughs> it's because uh, you're too smart and I'm too beautiful. Uh, I knew there was a reason. Okay. So for the rankings of these films, um, you have this Resurrection as number eight out of nine. So very close to the bottom for you. Um, I'm 
hovering near there. I've got it as six. So it's middle of the pack for me. Getting close to the end. Yeah, don't don't hate it. Hate some of the concepts. Hate some of the characters. <laughs> but don't totally hate it. It's a six out of nine for me. Whereas you've got it as an eight. So tell me why. To me, it's at an eight just because a lot of the other ones I enjoyed so much more. Like I said, it doesn't work as a Halloween movie it doesn't belong in the franchise so that's why i put it like towards the bottom because it's like well it would be on the bottom if it wasn't for one other film that you know doesn't work but it's just not a halloween movie then let's just run through this you know we don't need to talk a whole lot about this one michael myers again not skipping arm day because he's super strong in this one too he kills somebody with a knife and pins him against the wall and does the head tilt and it's like uh it doesn't work You did it once. It was great. Stop doing it. In this film, they open the movie with Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie Strode, in a padded cell somewhere Um, because of what happened at the end of H2O. We find out that a paramedic was killed and Michael Myers swapped his body. So she lopped off the head of an innocent paramedic who had a crushed larynx which is why he couldn't speak up and say it was him under the mask and not michael myers come on did they shoehorn that much (laughs) it it was a bit of a stretch i mean and the the problem with that stretch is that it's actually a cool fucking idea it could it could have worked but when you look at the paramedic and then you look at michael myers and it's like like i'm not going to believe that you're myers like you're one i think the paramedic was a little bit shorter he looked a little heavier uh, the end of the movie, he did not like. He did not act like a paramedic that was seeking help. He, yes, he acted like Michael. The one, yeah, stretching out the one arm, giving her the sad eyes. It wasn't him waving his hands like, "Hey, hey, I'm not Michael Myers." Yeah, none of that. They totally exactly. retconned it. Yeah, so it's like it just it didn't make any sense. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I I couldn't get behind that at all. And then in this facility, Michael Myers comes for her. And she thinks she's going to outsmart him and kill him on the roof. And she ends up dying. What a crappy, unceremonious, shitty death for the heroine of this franchise at this point. I was so pissed. Yeah, it's a terrible, terrible uh, opening. Just like fucking, they, they just ruined everything. Yeah. But I will say, I like the serial killer obsessed guy who is in this institution who wears the clown mask and he knows serial killers inside and out because he's like Ted Bundy born blah 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 killed 20 people or whatever and he's like doing all the stats John Wayne Gacy you know and um he even knows Michael Myers when he sees him he's all killed his sister on Halloween night blah 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 and he's like running down the list and because of him doing his neat little statistic rundown about serial killers about Michael Myers that is our recap And I think it's done in such a fun way. What a great way to do that. It's the best part of the opening. Uh, And then it's like, I even like how he gives, Michael gives him the mask. Uh, Was it the mask or the knife that he gave him? The knife because he wants to pin the deaths on him. Oh, I didn't even get that. I thought it was just like a souvenir. Like, oh, you're a fan here. Let me sign this for you and give it to you. Oh, no. He hands him the bloody knife so that they'll think this guy got out and killed these people. Oh, okay. Because he's always getting out of his room. Yeah, it's like that that kind of showed me how how much I actually paid attention to this the plot and story of this movie because I didn't pick up on that at all. I was just like <laughs> I, I was just like thankful by the time it was over. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. 
let's talk some things about this movie that you don't like. Obviously, I don't like the killing of Lori. I thought that was complete and utter bullshit. Um, I thought the characters were like, I literally wrote down for favorite character. This is the exact phrase I wrote down. Uh, I said, I guess the cyber nerd Miles, I guess, because I really don't like any of them. And I'm glad they died because they all sucked. <laughs> cyber nerd Miles is Ryan Merriman, and he is from Final Destination 3. And oh, I really like that. him. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a lot. And I really like him in this. And his fucking costume at the Halloween party with his best friend. They're like Pulp Fiction. (laughs) John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. I love that. You couldn't get away with that today, but I love that. Well, no, the white guy with the afro with the pick in it. He's like Samuel L. Jackson. (laughs) But it it was a great costume concept. I loved it. And, And he was the only character that just didn't get on my fucking nerves. Like everybody else got on my nerves. I hated them. I hate to death Tyra Banks. Absolutely hate that woman. (laughs) Yes, she's a non-character in this. We don't even get to see her death. Just the aftermath. I was so bummed. I wanted like a Paris Hilton in House of Wax situation because I don't like Tyra Banks. I wanted to see her die brutally. (laughs) (laughs) We don't get it. We get the aftermath, which is a quick shot. Oh, that was that was that was such a letdown. I mean, that was yeah. like the uh, the blue balls of basically horror <laughs> watching. I had my favorite character as Freddy, and that's Buster Rhymes, mainly because of his obsession with kung fu movies and his whole big scene at the end. So you want to be on Dangertainment? Let's see what you got. cracking me up they were trying to do a ll cool j h2o type thing by bringing him in i think works for ll cool j doesn't really work for busta but he's got his moments so he's my favorite character in this because the whole cast was so bland yeah no he he was entertaining he really was he just he was dangertaining <laughs> it, it, it was what that's so bad oh <laughs> you get punishment for that sometimes now 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 we have to watch dark man again um, but the, the thing that hurt it for me was just like, he would have been a great character if this wasn't a Michael Myers movie, because like the whole him doing the Kung Fu shit on Myers, I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, seriously, no, you cannot do this to this great horror icon. You cannot have this happen. So give me the stuff for you that doesn't work in this movie. Aside from the obvious, the whole, the whole plot, um, what little things really don't work for you? There was so much. Uh, I, I thought even the camera work was terrible. I mean, like, I see what they were trying to do, and it was an inventive concept, but it kind of took me out of it at times. Like, I'm like, uh, okay, all right, now we got to jump to this camera. Now we got to jump to that camera. And now we got to feel like we're the people watching this live stream. Well, I don't really want to do that. If I want to watch that shit, I'll watch fucking Blair Witch. It's just... And even with all the camera angles and all the way they set it up in this house to catch all the stuff and the people are wearing body cams. In addition, there's a cast of like six people that start out in this house, all the camera coverage and nobody sees Michael Myers lurking around. Are you fucking was, kidding me? That was terrible. And then it's like, to me, that camera footage, it, instead of like making it more tense, like how you said before, where, oh, okay, you can see 
Michael's showing up to kill somebody and then the person can't see them. So there's that tension building. You didn't get any of that. Yeah. It actually took away from it all. And it just, the movie, it, like I said, it's a great concept, but it failed miserably. A couple things that didn't work for me. At one point, Freddie dresses up as Michael Myers because he wants to go in and stir it up and scare the kids. He doesn't realize actual Michael Myers is there. They're both wearing the same fucking mechanic jumpsuit and the same mask. Okay. <laughs> um, no. But also, he just is gonna, he's just gonna go. He's all, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to scare you guys. And oh, weird stuff's going on. Okay, well, I'm out of here. And he's gonna tap out. He ends up coming back, luckily. But I don't understand why dress up like that. And how do they have matching costumes? <laughs> How does Michael Myers have the same fucking fresh looking outfit? Okay, the, the fresh outfit does bother me because it's, after all the shit that he's gone through, he's not exactly going to the local spirit Halloween store uh, and picking up the new <laughs> Michael Myers costume. That's not right. happening. His shit should look terrible. Freddie having one doesn't bother me because, yeah, he would do that. He would go to the local spirit Halloween store and pick one up. <laughs> You're so dumb. <laughs> Please sponsor us, Spirit Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I didn't like they try to add the head tilt nonsense. It's very ineffective here. The final girl, Sarah, uh, I wanted to look up the actress, Bianca, gosh, Kalich, Kalich, I don't know, Bianca, whoever, Sarah. Um, honestly, by the time we get to her being the final girl, who could care? Really? <laughs> it was so ineffective. There's no character building with any of these kids. They're just no, stereotypes. You yeah, you did not care about any of them at all. Like they were they were literally just the token characters. okay, you're you're the slut, you're the you're the smart ass, you're the 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 loser, you're this. You're all gonna die here, just play that role. That really sucked. I don't know. like some of these actors and actresses, they could have had a chance to have like a really good breakout role. And they didn't get that opportunity with this movie. I was so annoyed with the final girl, like by the end that's like, I didn't care if you lived or died. Yeah, you're like, just get her, Michael. <laughs> yeah. So the chef kid who's obsessed with food, that's his one defining trait is everything is food. Uh, Sean Patrick Thomas. It was fun to see him pop up in this because I know him from, uh, I think it's Save the Last Dance and quite a few other things as Rudy here. And I laughed so much because like I said, his one defining trait is he's food guy. And I call bullshit because I watch so much Food Network that the first time we meet Rudy, he's in the kitchen chopping vegetables and he is not holding his chef knife correctly. A professional chef would not hold the knife the way he's holding it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, movie, you couldn't even do that. <laughs> wah, wah. Totally unbelievable. And then the last thing that didn't work for me was the very stupid, and I wrote in capital letters, stupid, unsatisfying death of michael myers and then he opens his eyes and it ends like are you fucking kidding me that was really shitty that was a really shitty death most of the deaths in the movie were shitty like even the kids were like all just blah lackluster 100 percent. yeah i mean i mean like i literally put down for my my favorite kill was uh jen's decapitation because it was like well that's the closest thing to a good death in the entire movie. Me too. That's my favorite death. But again, it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> because she gets decapitated with one fucking swipe of the knife. Like, 
come on that is not happening but it's still my favorite death yeah it's the best one out of like a bunch of terrible deaths like no, no one in the movie died in a really kind of cool like oh this is inventive or this is this is interesting yeah the, the movie's it, it, just all lackluster in my opinion yeah it really was um the one one scene that i did actually kind of like is it your favorite your favorite scene I didn't put it down on my favorite scene, but now that I think about it, it would be my favorite scene. I liked when they brought him into the morgue. And I think I liked it because I loved the whole, the interaction between the two, uh, when they're coming in, they're like, oh, we got a celebrity, you know, talking about Michael Myers. And then like the look of fear on her face was kind of cool. Oh shit, Michael Myers. Like, you know, like the reputation of like, even though you got a dead body there, like, I don't know if this is really dead. Right. So that was kind of a cool little little tense moment. Thinking back on it, that is probably my favorite scene. Okay. My favorite scene is Freddy with his kung fu and trying to help final girl Sarah fight Michael Myers at the end. And it's a twofold scene because there's a bit where they fight and some other shit happens and there's a little break and then they fight some more. And I just like he's all ha ha like doing his kung fu stuff and making noises and shit. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll give it credit. It makes me laugh. It does. It pisses me off at the same time, but it does make me laugh because it's just like, it's so ridiculous. And the last thing I wanted to mention, just a random thing. Uh, one of the characters, Donna, played by Daisy McCracken, the redhead, she reminded me of a young Julianne Moore, like her physicality, how she looked. I could see it. I was like, hey, she looks familiar. And I was like, oh no, she just reminds me of Julianne Moore. <laughs> All right. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Pretty much just of all of all the movies, there's only two times I'm going to say this to you. So, yes, um, I do have one thing to say. I hate you for making me watch this. <laughs> That's fair. So now I think we should go ahead and jump over to the other timeline with Lori having a child. I think we should hop over to the Lori has a daughter timeline, which is Halloween 4. The Return of Michael Myers, 1988, where Lori had a daughter, Michael's niece, little Jamie Lloyd. This movie rated R, hour 28 minutes. Now, Michael Myers has come home. He has returned for one more night of unholy terror. The return of Michael Myers. Maybe nobody knows how to stop it. And let's just start off with ranking this one for me. Part four is number four for me. <laughs> That's very convenient. It's it's number three for me. Let's talk about why. Why do you love this movie? Okay. Now, to be fair, after this uh, rewatching everything, that bumped it up to number three for me. Oh. Because watching it, I was like, I, I really ended up enjoying the story. It just everything about this movie, I actually kind of had a lot of fun with. And it went really quick. It was like, it, to me, it was kind of like Halloween. It was like H2O a little bit. Once the movie kicks off, it just gets going. And before right. you know it, the movie's over. And it never feels like there is a slow point in the movie whatsoever. 
So writing gets four story credits and written by Alan B. McElroy, I think it said, and directed by Dwight H. Little. This has a photo, (laughs) which is so funny to me. The photos of Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie Strode, are photo stills of her like from Halloween, like when she's sitting with the pumpkin waiting for her friend to pick her up. Like who took a picture of her doing that? (laughs) That's clearly a production still. (laughs) Yeah, the photos were a little weird. But I think it's like at the time, they probably didn't have the ability to kind of do like now where it's like, okay, you can you can take a picture from like an actor's younger days and put it in there and make it yeah. look like, you know, they belong. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of it was kind of weird. And I didn't like how they kind of glossed over her death. It was just like, oh, yeah, by the way, Lori's dead. Yeah, they they say by us looking at newspaper clippings in a little shoebox that her daughter has that she died in a car accident, I believe. Yeah. So there is that. Which is funny because in H2O, she says she, quote unquote, faked her death with a car accident. (laughs) So I was like, oh. It's another reason why H2O is so great because it just gives little nods here and there to like the franchise. But this one starts 10 years after the 1978 and she's got a little girl, Jamie Lloyd, who's seven years old. That's Michael Myers' niece. We see that mom has died. We even get a flashback. It might be in Revenge. It might not be in this one. It might be in part five. We get a quick flashback of uh, Lori, the back of her and the the boyfriend or or husband. And then little Jamie's like on his shoulders, I think, or something. And they're walking. So, and she says, I miss my parents. So we get the feeling that mom and dad were close and both have died maybe. Yeah, they they didn't even mention the father. It was just all about Lori dying. So Mm -hmm. that was another problem that I kind of felt like, okay, well, you know, we don't know who the father was, you know, was the father in the car? It just, okay, both parents are dead. It it, it was lazy writing, essentially. It was like, we want to reboot the franchise, go a totally different direction. I don't know if they offered uh, Jamie Lee the chance to come back and she just didn't want to, or they just wanted to completely leave her behind and go a different direction. But they could I'm have written it better. I'm speculate she didn't want to come back. And, and I wouldn't I wouldn't blame her because at this point in her career, I think she was starting to kind of branch out to like, you know, better acting roles and stuff. You don't want to get stuck into that. You know, you don't want to be typecast as always being the scream queen for Halloween. So four and five to me, rank four and five. We'll get to five in a minute. But these movies are high on my list because they are they are so much more fun than they really ought to be. <laughs> they should be uh, serial killer horror movies, but I don't know what it is about the, this, the, the fairy dust that was sprinkled on both of these movies to make them just blindingly fun. Like I just don't pick up, we'll have a lot to talk about, but, I, but when I watch them, I don't pick them apart. I mean, I've got a lot to say, <laughs> but when I watch them, they're just so damn fun. They really are. These are the kind of movies I go to when I want to watch 80s horror movies because it gives you that nostalgic feel, which is funny because it's like I I was like, you know, and I know you're going to give me shit over being young, but it's like I wasn't really around as much for the 80s. But it's like there's still this nostalgic feel for the 80s. And that's what I got with this kind with these these two movies was they're just a lot of fun to watch. You feel like you're there. The characters feel like they belong in the time period. Everything about it just is so enjoyable. So we brought back Loomis, which I love, but one of the most offensive things in this movie, there's two. One of them is the inconsistency with his burn makeup on his face, because in part two, which is what this immediately jumps off of, he's horribly burned at the hospital. 
his hand and and the uh, uh, right side of his face, I believe. And the makeup changes literally scene to scene. <laughs> I don't work in Hollywood, but I've seen enough behind the scenes stuff to know that you take pictures of what you've done to the person and you consistently reapply so it matches and looks the same from day to day. They didn't do that here. <laughs> I honestly didn't notice that because like, I just, it's... I just didn't, I, I didn't pay attention to the burn because the burn alone just kind of bothered me because it was just like at, <laughs> at this point you should have just retconned the whole him blowing up anyways because it didn't make any sense because Michael's not going to survive. Yeah, they keep I it still, all. Yeah, it, it just it doesn't. They should have just wiped that completely clean and just said no. We just captured him and put him in prison or something. Yeah, the burn changes scene to scene. So that is something that I'm just like, ooh, every time. But I still love him, like him and Loomis. Like, it's it's all good. It, it's, he's he's a, a quintessential character to the franchise. He's basically, you know, he's Michael Myers is, you know, Van Helsing. And you oh, feel- Oh, that's such a good way to put it. It is. He's, he's just, and he's like, you feel when he's not there, like in later, like after Pre- uh, Pleasance had passed, you feel the, the absence of the character they try yeah. to kind of like replace it, replace them and stuff. And it just doesn't work. So it's like, he was so important to this franchise that I think that's another reason why I overlooked the makeup. Cause it's like, I, I don't care. It's Donald Pleasant. So you can do whatever you want. So they reintroduce Michael Myers here because they are transferring him to Smith Grove, which is where he broke out of in the original 10 years earlier, where he was at or maybe in a hospital and then recovering somewhere because of all his burns and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. We do get to see his hand sometimes and it is scarred like a burn scar, Michael Myers. But yeah, they mention about he's got the sister and we're transferring him. And of course he breaks out, kills some people and gets away from the ambulance. Well, which- which I have a huge problem with that because I, I even wrote that in my notes because my smart ass had to bring this up. In all of these movies, you look at these guards, these prison guards or these, you know, stuff that, like who are guarding these horrible, you know, monster like people. And they look like they basically spent the day hanging out at like Dunkin Donuts. Like, how come you don't have like some, you know, big ass, like steroid injected, like, you know, ex-military fucking people there. It's like, and, and then the, the one guard was so short. I swear to God, I thought he was going to like start calling Gandalf for help or something. And, like run to the fucking Shire. These, <laughs> these people, like they're, they're the joke of, of like how, how it's like they're not more prison breaks from these, these facilities. Yeah, agreed. Michael easily bests them every time at every turn. Who are these ill-equipped people that are guarding mass serial killer with the tendency to break away and go do more killing? Like, why is he not in cuffs? And yeah, it's it's just crazy. But on top of the fact they already know, because it's like continuity-wise, you already know Michael in the previous two films, skinny as shit and still powerful enough to lift somebody up with a scalpel on the ass uh, and pin somebody to a, a wall with like a kitchen knife. Now he's coming out looking like, you know, he's been like doing some like major bodybuilding work. So at this point, you should have like better security. (laughs) I know. I know. I'm with you. Let's talk uh, for you. What works in this film? Why is this film fun and good to you? Um, I'm probably going to get shit for this, but I love the psychic connection between Jamie and Michael. That was just kind of a cool little element, even though it's like it's dumb. 
Yeah. But it was also kind of cool because it's like, okay, I see you, you've got to go a different way with the franchise. Uh, what like Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street is all popular at this time, so you've got to try and like connect with that audience. So that was a cool element. It just didn't pan out the way that it was supposed to. Okay, um, so for me, that, that's like the number one thing that doesn't work for me in this film. I hate that psychic connection bullshit, and they amp it up in the next one. I I love it. I absolutely love it. I I thought it was a cool like it, it was. It just didn't reach its full potential. I liked the sheriff in this one because I kind of felt like the sheriff in the previous films kind of came off like the typical goofy ass sheriff. Okay, why are you law enforcement? The only thing you can handle is punk kids. This guy felt like he was prepared to go after Michael Myers. Like, I'm I'm going to fuck some shit up. Oh, so. 100%. So Sheriff Meeker was Bo Starr. And yeah, I believed him a thousand percent. He was a breakout in this. He just did such a good job. That impressed the hell out of me. Because I think by this time in most of these movies, you're used to the dumb cop that can't even handle the job. So having a mm -hmm. good cop that can do it was really cool. The main two things that worked for me, I mean, I liked the characters. I thought the characters were all pretty well fleshed out. Um, so that's the stuff that works for you pretty much. I'm I'm on board with you, with except for the psychic thing. I, I don't like that. But I do like that the characters in this are fun with their, they're fleshed out a little, not as much as I would like. Uh, they feel like real people in this real little town, especially the family that has fostered Jamie Lloyd, um, her big sister, Rachel Carruthers, played by Ellie Cornell. I love her. Rachel is so believable to me in this. And her resentment slash attachment to Jamie is like real sister-like. <laughs> <laughs> totally convincing. She's not my favorite character. Jamie's my favorite character. But I have Rachel as MVP of the movie. The way she Ra comes Rachel. through in a pinch. Yeah, Rachel was really good. I, I I loved her because, like you said, she did. She felt like a real real teenager. Uh, way, way more believable than the previous films. And I also felt like the town felt more like an Illinois town this time. It didn't feel like how you said the, in the original Halloween. It felt like California. Like if they didn't say you know, Haddonfield, Illinois, you wouldn't have, you would have been like, okay, yeah, this is just some little town in California. So who was your favorite character? I've got Jamie and then Rachel as backup MVP here. Um, It's going to go without saying, as long as Loomis is in a movie, it's always going to be <laughs> Loomis that that's just never going to change. But yeah, Jamie and I liked Rachel Um, and then the sheriff. The, those were like the big okay. characters for me. Danielle Harris in her first role, probably because it says introducing her as Jamie Lloyd. She is, I don't really like child actors <laughs> typically because they just act like child actors to me. I don't feel like I'm watching a real character. It's like they're trying. She no. was effortless in these films to me. She was really good. Um, and, and that's really impressive that she impressed you and you hate children. So that's, that's like, you know, <laughs> I that, hate I mean, that's what you just said. because I just... put them in my oven and cook them, like tempt them to come to my candy house. I don't hate them. They're delicious. Wow. the I can feel the evilness from here. It's just like radiating. But uh, no, I, I was I was actually impressed with Danielle Harris. I thought she did a really good job. Like, like when the scenes when she's scared, I believe that she's scared. Uh, it, it doesn't come off like like you said, like some child actors. You don't like they're not there yet. They haven't really kind of reached that peak of like acting ability. 
she mm-hmm. freaking nailed it especially like for like her basically debut role you see why yeah. she was gonna like eventually break out the only thing i don't like and this has nothing to do with her performance is the opening scene with jamie of where she's having the nightmare in bed and she's imagining that she goes in her closet and she looks at the shoebox and the pictures of her mom. And we see that Lori's her mom, Lori's dead, blah, blah, blah. And then we see Michael Myers came for her and he's in her room. And we get the really fucking rad shot of him sitting up behind the bed and oh, the lightning yes. and thunder flash. And yeah, really fucking great shot. But then she's screaming because he's coming for her at the closet and her parents or adoptive parents, whatever, foster parents, they, they call her foster child, but then they also call her adoptive. I, I don't know what the deal is. But the parents come running in to wake her up and they're like, you're okay, you're okay. My question is, it must be the psychic thing because how does she know what he looks like in his fucking getup and mask and the coveralls and shit? Because that hasn't happened yet. He hasn't gone to the hardware store or pharmacy and gotten the mask yet. So how does she know what he even fucking looks like? I would go with, yeah, either the psychic connection or just probably, I mean, it's got to be common knowledge at this point. So like she probably could have like, you know, seen it in the newspaper or... Maybe there's been books published or something at this point. So okay. there's there's got to be some kind of reference out there. I want to say like there's a scene in here in this movie where when she goes in to get the Halloween costume, I could have swore there's like a, a Michael Myers mask in the, the in the store, in the convenience store. You're right. It is a common mask in this world because they take her to the pharmacy, which becomes halloween land plus somehow this little pharmacy every season i guess because they have tons of halloween shit everywhere but that mask is behind her yeah i i wish i could have worked at a uh a store like that like every store i worked at the halloween aisle was like one fucking aisle couple of pumpkin things like a a, a few masks you never went like batshit crazy i would love to have worked at something like that because that yeah it goes from like cvs to spirit basically (laughs) Yeah, the only thing I could think of is this is supposed to be a small town, so maybe that's literally the only place where Halloween stuff is at Halloween time, you know, in like in October. Yeah, like that's got to be kind of awkward if you want to buy like, you know, the slutty costume and like you don't want to go to the person that you know that like, you know, sells you your prescriptions and then also come up there with like, oh yeah, I'm also going to be the slutty vampire this year. (laughs) That's all teenage costumes though. The slutty insert, whatever. It could, the slutty, whatever. Like it could be anything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> bloody cowardly it's so, lion it's so stupid yeah that exists i've seen it <laughs> i've seen it in uh, american dad <laughs> let's talk about your favorite kill there's some amazing kills in this movie that we assume are super gory but we don't really get to see it we see the aftermath which is kind of a letdown uh, yeah I, I especially like for an 80s film i expected a little bit more gore because like this is like the height of gore Basically, you want like everything that's coming out is gory. I wanted a little bit better on the kills. I I went with the gun going through the girl. Yes, Kelly the bimbo gets it through the abdomen and it pins her to the wall. (laughs) Yeah, I liked that because like for that briefest moment when he got the gun, I thought he was going to shoot her because I was like, oh, shit, this is totally unlike Michael Myers. And then boom impales her i'm like oh fuck okay that was pretty cool so that's yeah the sheriff's daughter the bimbo i called her in my notes because rachel has to break her date with this guy that she's been seeing brady who works at the pharmacy and we'll get to him in a second i've got some notes (laughs) so yeah he ends up going to kelly the sheriff's house that night 
And she answers the door, this bimbo, two trick-or-treaters in a t-shirt that they clearly had custom made for her because it's got iron-on big block letters black on this white (laughs) t-shirt that's just long enough to cover her underwear. And the, the shirt says, cops do it by the book really that, bitch really yeah that was um that was a cheesy ass little i mean i i couldn't believe they did that i was like oh come on that was and stupid <laughs> she answers the door to trick-or-treaters in her fucking underwear and this t-shirt with like what put on some fucking okay. pants you whore <laughs> i am <laughs> These conflicted. Are children i am conflicted because on one hand as a mature grown adult who will hopefully one day have children yes that is a terrible thing That's like, okay, come on, you know, slut, put on some pants. As a once horny child, (laughs) I would have killed to have somebody answer the door like that when I was trick-or-treating. I would have been like, nah, bitch, I'm going to give you the treat. (laughs) Yeah, fair. And, and, you know, you get to see her titties at some point because she and Brady are making out and she takes everything off. Which is kind of funny because it seemed like for a little bit, we kind of got like a break from nudity. And then like, oh, okay, now the nudity comes back. (laughs) Yep. So Brady, let's talk about him. Rachel's crush, the one who makes out with the bimbo here. And then he tries to come through and help Rachel and Jamie escape Michael at the end, but he ends up getting killed. It's all for naught. To me, the most offensive thing in this movie, besides the burns on Loomis' face, was Brady's unibrow. I was like, bro... He, this guy looked to me, his name is Sasha Jensen. I'm sure he's a lovely man, but he looked to me like a cross between Craig Sheffer and David Johansson, the guy who played the ghost of Christmas past and Scrooged. If you put those two together, you get this guy. Like- <laughs> <laughs> oh, all I know is to me, he just looked like he permanently had a look on his face like he was smelling a fart. Yes, he was trying real hard to convince us of whatever <laughs> you go buddy just tweeze the brows do well it doesn't matter because he ends up dead so well that's probably why michael killed him because he's just like i can't <laughs> deal with the fucking unibrow you're, you're dead dude like i was gonna <laughs> let you live but now you're dead so i forgot to mention one of my favorite things about this movie is the use of the music in the opening scene we are introduced to these people who are going to transport michael in the in the ambulance and they're cutting between credits and people talking and they're moving through the motions of getting Michael loaded into the ambulance and they're going to leave. And when they're getting ready to take him out on the gurney, the music just boom. And the music starts with the dun and dun, dun, and it just goes such a great opening for the, this movie had a great opening with that for sure. With the music, everything hitting all the right beats for me to get excited. Like I said, it's, it's a movie that once it gets started, it just doesn't really slow down. It's constantly pushing the story along, uh, introducing the characters, getting you to care about the characters, like the characters. I mean, even though Brady was a douchebag, it's like you kind of <laughs> at least got, like in the beginning, you kind of like him. You're like, okay, you know, he seems like a good boyfriend for her. And then, okay, he becomes a douchebag. You hate him. You're like, oh, fuck you, Brady. I hope you die. Then when he finally dies, you're like, oh, fuck you, Brady. Why did you die? <laughs> <laughs> so that so- actually moves me to favorite scene. Because that's my favorite sequence in this movie is when Brady and Rachel and Jamie are the like the only ones left and Michael's coming after them and they've kind of tussle on the stairs landing there and Brady's putting up a fight trying to get the gun loaded and trying to fight Michael. 
I, I laugh because when Michael picks him up and he's in the middle of choking, maybe does he doesn't he lift him up by the throat? Yeah, I think he lifts him up by the throat. Yeah, and Brady turns his head and goes and like spits this big wad of blood out of his mouth. He's going ah 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 ah. <laughs> he like takes a break to turn and spit all this shit out of his mouth. <laughs> Please go back and watch it again and just laugh as much as I do. Well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to laugh at in this movie. There really was. And that's why I enjoy it because it's just, it was a lot of, it's a lot of fucking fun, really. I, mean, I love when they're trying to get away and they're in the attic and she's trying to go out the window and like lower Jamie down and climb on the roof. Like it's so fucking tense. It, it was. It's like this movie had, it was, it's criminal in the sense that it's like it had no business being this good but it was it was so great uh i mean i i love i even love like the whole the rednecks all banding together to come after him like oh we're gonna go out and vigilante justice basically <laughs> private justice to throw back to the exactly. <laughs> they, they, they these bunch of rednecks get their guns together and they're like no police forces out hunting Michael. So they're going to do it themselves. And they just open fire on this gazebo because they think they see somebody move. Then they get over there. One of them goes, oh, shit, Earl. It's Ted Hollister. <laughs> it's like, wah, wah. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, you dumb shits. This is why it's number, this is exactly why it's number three for me, because it, it's what I said. It's like when you do the reboot, then you get this great movie and then it just goes to shit afterwards. And that's what this one was. It's like, it was the reboot. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And then we get to what comes afterwards. I would go back and watch this again. Like if you told me I had to watch this today, I'd be like, oh, fuck yeah, no problem. I'll do it. No I, problem. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one of the shorter in the series. It clocks in at an hour 28. Um, Rachel at the end is beat all the shit, fell off a two-story roof. You name it, she's been through it. They don't take her to the hospital. <laughs> they put her and Jamie in a truck and they're going to flee the scene. And Michael somehow has managed to be hanging and hiding off the back of this truck the whole time they're driving down this road. How did he do that? Because also when you see him come up over the tailgate, with both his hands, in his second hand, he has the knife in his fucking hand as he's grabbing on. I don't know how it's done, but in my imagination, my twisted imagination, this this is what I have come up with. So strap in, strap on, prepare, because this is, this is what I'm giving you. <laughs> I, I imagine Michael snuck out there, and it's essentially like the scene in Back to the Future with Marty behind the truck, and Michael's on the skateboard. Hold <laughs> Holding on for dear life, listening to the power of love by the wonderful Huey Lewis in the news. Oh. And as far as the knife goes, how does that work? He's got the blade clenched between his cheeks as he's holding on to the, the truck. Oh, my God. This is my theory. He, well, we just have to roll with it because we get no explanation. <laughs> That's as good as any. But the ending is so, uh, I don't know, for... I can't think of a really good word. It's it's exciting in the sense that it's a head to head. Like we're really going to take him out now and she's going to run him over with the truck and then knocks him into that ditch. And then he gets up and everybody shoots him and he falls into this, like what looks like a grave or something. This, this, this open. I, I thought it was plot. like a well or something. I, I couldn't tell well, what it was. 
yeah you can't tell at the end of this movie yet what it is it just looks like a big hole that's why i said grave who knows what it is and that's it's that's that like you're like well fuck they filled him full of lead he's dead ski he's done when when i think of like going to the dictionary and looking up the definition for what overkill is i imagine this scene <laughs> because I, I like you could have come out with like a tank a bazooka optimus prime himself could have shown up with that big fucking like gun that he has and like shooting the shit out of him i wouldn't have blinked twice been like yep that's exactly what i expect from this scene because they i mean the <laughs> fucking sheriff alone has a gun that i'm like no I, do cops even have that kind of gun yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, he had a whole bunch of guns at his house because if you remember um, the scene before Michael shows up and kills everybody at the house, the sheriff's house, they're like zombie proofing the house. <laughs> He's like giving guns to all the, <laughs> the children and everybody. And then they're like boarding up the house and nailing all, all the windows shut. And I'm like, why are you zombie proofing your house against a man who can walk through fucking walls at this point? I, I almost expected when he was handing out guns I almost expected like the cut to a scene of like them all walking, holding a gun, Rachel, the bimbo daughter, Brady, Jamie's got this big old shotgun slung over her shoulder. Like <laughs> Everyone's got a fucking gun. Pretty much. It's you're right though. It's, it's overkill. And you're like, Oh, he's, he's dead, but no, because the following year <laughs> we get Halloween five, the revenge of Michael Myers. <laughs> All right, listeners, that is going to wrap up part one of our mega discussion on the Halloween franchise. Maybe between this week and next week, you can check out some of your favorite Halloween films to get you really in the spirit. I mean, Halloween is just right around the corner. So come back next week when we wrap our discussion up in part two. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And until next time, goodbye. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Hey listeners, Drive-In Dave here saying we know you have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts, so we want to thank you so much for listening to ours. Please be sure to follow us on all your social media platforms. Join us in the Bad Movie Conversation. We're on Facebook with a Let's Talk Turkeys page, as well as a discussion group where you can chat with other people who also love bad movies. We're also on Instagram at Let's Talk Turkeys, all one word, plus we're on Twitter with the handle at Gobble Podcast. That's G-O-B-B-L-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And of course, you can always email us direct at Let's Talk Turkeys, all one word, at yahoo.com. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.